I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. So I'm back with Megan Delacamina for the second part of our chat. And just to recap, she's the best-selling author and founder and CEO of Women Rising. And um, we have been chatting about themes about confidence and burnout. And now I'm really keen to tap into Megan's mindset and also understand what she thinks needs to change to create a more inclusive and a more equal world for women to participate in. So welcome back, Megan. Thank you, Julie. I'm excited after our first great conversation. (laughs) Yes. Now, I'm really keen in because um, one thing I'm really fascinated about is mindset. And you have obviously got a really, really powerful mindset. A, to do what you did in your corporate career and then to have the courage to jump out and start your own business and to do all the incredible things that you do and have done. So I'm really keen. Have you always been someone who's been incredibly courageous and like you've broken through some pretty major glass ceilings in your career? Have you had role models that you've aspired to or incredible mentors? Like what what has been the the thing for you to have this mindset to just drive forward? That's a big question, Julie. So (laughs) like, again, there's so many components to that. It's interesting that you say to drive forward. And, you know, what I would say is if I look back at my corporate career, which was externally, I always say very successful on the outside, You know, I was young, I was a young manager. When I was 25, 26, I was managing 13 countries for GE. I was traveling the world, I was doing all of the things. So it had, you know, a lot of those external success benchmarks. Same at PwC, youngest director. Same at IBM, youngest general manager, you know, one of a few few women. So the external markers were great, but the internal markers were shocking. You know, I was a chronic workaholic, I got divorced, I was a single parent, I burnt out. To your question, my mindset in that part of my life, sort of 25 to 36, was drive and strive and go. You know, all of the tools that I now teach, so often for us I think it's the message from the mess led to all of the work I do in the world. I didn't have a good mindset then for that massive part of my corporate career and I what I only know now on reflection but I overrid myself and I think so many people will relate to that particularly women that we're just running so hard and so fast to keep up that we override every piece of intuition or every message that we might get about ourselves that slow down you know you keep getting colds and flus or you know you've got to 
a health problem over here or your marriage is falling apart or whatever it is, we keep overriding and overriding. So no, my mindset certainly was not for a large part of my adult life and career, I wouldn't say a healthy one at all, but I loved my work. You know, I just loved what I did so much. I kept going and more and more and more and more until I burnt out. And that was the point of starting to retrain, to unlearn those socialized behaviors, leadership norms, how I was meant to show up and to start to unpack that and start to really change my mindset, which took, again, took a long time. It wasn't a, oh, it's one and done. It wasn't that. And I think in today's society, with instant gratification, we also expect change to be quick and easy. And it's just not true. And we lie to people, particularly women, that just do this and everything's going to be fine. And it doesn't work like that. So for me, it was a long process of unlearning, relearning, and then the training, positive psychology and, you know, neurobiology and well-being and all of the sciences to get a deep understanding of this is how it works, really, and then doing that work. So that's a long answer, but I think the backstory is important because, again, I always just want to keep it real with women. You don't wake up one day, do something for half an hour and, oh, you're done. That's not what it is. So I think that's a really important message. But small steps, you know, small changes over time lead to massive outcomes, which is what I teach. You don't have to take a massive leap. You can take a really small step and then build and build and build. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for your honesty about the mindset, because I think it's a really big distinction and, and people can get confused by that. And I think we need to, there can be the mindset for the, like the professional mindset, then there's this mindset for personal and we have to bring it all together. And because like you said, you loved your work, which would absolutely motivate you to keep going, but then you're not listening to your intuition you're not taking notice of the signs of what's happening about around you. It's like, I'm just going to keep going forward. So, and the perception, it's amazing, isn't it? Perception is uh, not necessarily what's really going on. And you mentioned too that, um, you know, we sell this dream that change is quick and easy and it's just not. So flipping that context now to workplace and what needs to happen because we have seen marginal, marginal change since 2015 now in terms of equality in the workplace and COVID has not helped that at all, at all. It set women backwards because they generally took the brunt of the caring for children and all of that when they were home. So what do you think needs to happen in the workplace to get this change happening? I love the big questions and I walk on the discussion, right? Because these are the conversations that we need to have. It's multifaceted and there is no silver bullet. And I think, you know, understanding those two things help us cut through a lot of the rhetoric that exists around driving sizable steps forward for 
for women, for gender equality, for women in leadership, for women in power, and creating inclusive workplaces where everyone can thrive. Because I truly believe that when we change the workplaces to be more inclusive for women, we make positive changes for everybody, whether that's, you know, your culture, whether that's your age, whether that's men who don't fit into the gender norm of the ideal worker, the ideal manager, the ideal leader, and what success looks like. And of course, culture, um, different levels of ability, all of the things, right? Different identities. So there's so, so much discussion about the system, the system change and, you know, messages from CEOs coming down into organisations you know, you mentioned before that I was one of the first implementation leaders with Liz Broderick on the what was then the Male Champions of Change, now the um, Change Champions Coalition. Remarkable work that Liz started and still oversees back when I was at IBM, so 2010. And we kind of thought at that point with some of the leading organisations in Australia that there would be a silver bullet, that if we just listened to women and listened to men and did this work and got the male champions involved and the CEOs and the people in power, that there would be a silver bullet. And what we still see now, all of this time later, is that there isn't one. And I think that's humbling for everybody. But I do think that there are key elements that need to change. The first one and the one that I'm most passionate about, which is why I have a company called Women Rising, is that it is about the true empowerment of women. Because for so long, we've been waiting for the system to change. And yes, there have been amazing changes through great leadership and good intention that have happened in organisations without question. But as you said, the numbers aren't moving. We are seeing exodus from the workforce for women. You know, the latest Lean In report, the Women in the Workplace report with Lean In and McKinsey. Um, you know, we saw the great resignation. Now we're seeing the great breakup in terms of their language of um, how they're describing what they're seeing, particularly in the US market. The research that we've just done shows quite a staggering number of and this isn't released yet, so you're hearing it here first, that around 20% of women that we researched are thinking about leaving the workforce in the next 12 months. That's a staggering statistic because that's not working for them. And another about 35% are thinking about taking a step back or scaling down their role. And there's a flip side to that, and, you know, we can talk about the research another time, but the empowerment of women, the women empowering themselves, getting clear, things we talked about last time. What do I want for my life? What do I want for my career? How do I show up authentically? How do I build true confidence, lasting confidence? How do I chart my own path for career mastery in my career? And where do I want to invest my time, my energy, and my expertise in an organization that can match? and support that. That's the piece that I'm most passionate about because then irrespective of what happens outside of us, we have agency over our own lives, our own careers, our own mindset, our well-being, our mental health, and what we choose to do next. And that part I think is so overlooked. You know, there's the rhetoric and conversation about don't fix the women, fix the system, which is true. 
But empowering women is very different from fixing women. You know, empowering women is not about teaching women to fit into a broken system. It's about empowering them to make better choices, leave the system if it's not working for them with the level of clarity and empowerment that they have. So that is always my first pillar, always, always, is working with the women. And then we get to the system. And then it's about one of the other things that I'm really passionate about and committed to, which is how do we enable and empower managers? Because change happens in the middle of an organisation. It can be talked about at the top and the direction can be set from the top and the CEO and the board, absolutely, and needs to be. But actual real change happens with every manager, the decisions that they make every day. And when it comes to women and uh, women's leadership and women's progression, it's the manager's mindset. It's the manager's understanding of bias. It's the manager creating inclusive spaces and places that is going to change organisations. And I don't think we talk nearly enough about what happens in the middle. We talk about the top. You know, we have the champions of change, all important, but we don't spend enough time on the managers. And, you know, we have a managers and allies program that sits parallel to the Women Rising program so that we can have an inclusive journey, men, all genders, and have those conversations around being managers and leaders that can create change, empower women, empower everybody. So again, a long answer, but it's not simple. And anyone who says, just do this and you'll get this, haven't been doing this work for long enough, right? Because it doesn't work like that. But those two things, the manager with good leadership intent and empowering women, women empowering themselves and empowering each other, I think if we could do that systemically and consistently, we would start to see real change. So I 100% agree with you. I believe the system's broken and we are still persisting with structures and hierarchical models that just don't work anymore and have become irrelevant, but we're sticking with it. So as you say, there's so many women leaving the workforce and you know, I had a conversation just earlier this week about um, the disconnection that women feel when they go on maternity leave and then they come back into organisations and they almost feel like strangers. So technology to me seems like something that organisations can embrace because it has been proven that we can do it to enable women to, and not only women, men as well, but to enable women to work at times that enables them to work at their best and that is in line with their priorities. Would you agree that technology has a big role to play? Without question. And I think if anything good came out of the pandemic, it was that workplaces who thought that they couldn't do remote work and that people couldn't work from home and that they couldn't enable their organisation to look different, the pandemic showed us very, very quickly, well, actually, if it's bottom line dependent, you're going to figure it out really quickly. And so we have seen that massive shift, which has been great in so many ways in empowering people to work remotely. Things that, it was so funny, I I was going through cleaning up some files 
And I found an article from, I think it was like 2012 that I did for BRW back in the day talking about the workplace of the future and that, you know, we don't need offices and everyone can work remotely and from home. Back then people thought I was crazy. But that is the norm now. Like that is what is happening. And there's a cost to that. There's a human cost to that. There's a cost if managers aren't equipped and leaders aren't equipped to, again, be inclusive in all of the different ways. And there's a cost for women with the additional load and burden that we saw, we're still seeing, you know, that sort of factors into, in many cases, stalled progress or women saying it was hard before, now it's just untenable. And that 20% wanting to leave, you know, the other big percentage of women wanting to take a step back, which is balanced, by the way, I should say, with another whole percentage of women who are fired up and ambitious and ready to go. So it's really, we're seeing this bifurcation, which is also interesting and maybe a conversation for another day. The other thing I just mentioned, I said the two things, but the other piece that I think is incredibly important is redefining what successful leadership looks like. And we do a lot of that work around, it doesn't look like what it used to, command and control and authority, you know, being authoritative and directive and, you know, short-term focus. Successful leadership does not look like that anymore, you know, and everything that we hear, vulnerability, empathy, collaboration, feminine traits coming into leaders irrespective of gender is the leadership that is successful now. We have a massive gap to fill to go from the old style of leadership to what is working and will work in the future. And I think women really feel that gap and is one of the other reasons that's compounding stress, burnout, overwork, and potentially opting out, which we used to talk about in the 80s, you know, with Sylvia Ann Hewlett. What role do you think women need to play in this? And it's probably maybe a hard question to answer because I often see that people don't women in particular don't want to step into leadership positions and we're desperate to have women in leadership positions and we can only control what we can control. So what do you think women need to do to either get themselves ready to be at the board table or within the senior leadership positions or what are the, how do they need to influence And I totally agree with what you said before in terms of that middle management. You know, we really need a groundswell of change, I think, at that, you know, manager level, like you say. But what is it? I'll I'll reference it back to the direct community that I see and support because it's, you know, 4,500 women in the last 18 months. It's a massive community of women, again, from 36 countries, all age groups, all stages and all types of industries and roles. I see that a lot of women, when you really get into it, do aspire, you know, and we see in all different types of research that there really isn't an ambition gap for women. Women want to progress. They want to make a contribution. It's all of the things that get in the way, you know, it's responsibility, it's mindset, it's lack of confidence, it's lack of support, it's lack of sponsors, it's lack of good mentors, It's issues with well-being and burnout and kids and aging parents. There are so many barriers for a lot of women and, you know, like just pick one or two of those 
and it can be enough of a deterrent or have enough of an impact on their next step, their next promotion, getting into that next role. Combine that with managers and what we just talked about before and, you know, a gaping hole in, in the ability to pull women through organisations and therein lies a massive part of the problem. And that's why we do this work with Women Rising, you know, with the program, with the model, we get the women for not just the four months they're in our live program, but then in our alumni community of thousands and thousands of women to keep the support, to keep it going, the Managers and Allies program and other things. Because when we work through the curriculum and we start unpacking these different elements, for someone it's life vision. For someone else it's their inner critic. For others it's where's my sponsor? Where is the sponsor that the man next to you has through relationship that's pulling you through? Where's your sponsor? It's a massive gap for women. We've known it forever. I think some people think that the problem's solved. It's nowhere near solved. So, again, that's what we are seeing is working and we're seeing women coming through the program, most importantly, with more clarity on what they want, who they are, how to get it and how to be well. And then we're also seeing massive statistics around I put myself forward for that promotion and I got it. I asked for the pay rise. You know, I asked for more flexibility. I left my toxic manager and went and worked in a different team because I realised for the first time I'm not the problem. I'm not the problem. The manager's the problem or the system is the problem. It's not me because we take that shame and blame and we put it on like armour and then we expect ourselves to thrive. So we take off that armour and we go, oh, okay, I'm not the problem here. Let me go find somewhere where I fit. So all of these you know, elements we see work when you take that holistic journey with community support, with coaching, we're seeing it move the dial. Like it's, it's going to take us all a lot of work to get to the next phase of this. We lost 35 years through the pandemic of women's progress. Um, I'm waiting for the latest numbers to come out. They always get published around International Women's Day to see where we are currently, what's the gap to equality. Currently 135, six years. But like my message to women is take back this control, take back this power, get the support that you need so that we can do it for ourselves. Imagine if, like our goal is to have like 100,000 women in our community and keep building. And I just have this vision of 100,000 women walking into their organisations tomorrow and saying, no, 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 that's not going to fly for me anymore. And this is what it needs to look like for me to thrive and be successful and make a good contribution and be happy and well in the process. Like I have that vision of how dramatically organisations and cultures would change if that happened. And it's the core of every women's movement that's ever happened, right? The women rise up. So that's why we're here. Oh, I love that. And it's such a powerful note to finish our conversation on Megan and I'm so grateful for your honesty for all of the insights that you've shared with my audience today and on the show notes I have all of the links so that you can tap into Megan's brilliance and her amazing community grab her book and just read more about her as well 
And yeah, I really encourage you to do that. So Megan, thank you so much for being part of Leading You. Thank you. And thank you, Julie, for all of the work that you do to support women. And it's just been, yeah, it's been amazing having this conversation with you. So thank you. 